Welcome back to Imperfect Insight, a podcast where we discuss young adult life and life as a college student all together. Uh, today we have a guest, Beckham Singer. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. Um, and this week we're going to be talking about choosing majors and strategies that we have to, you know, do so and what we really chose a major for to how we're going to implement that into our life. All right. Um, so, firstly, what is your major, Beckham? Um, I'm actually a double major in economics and accounting. Interesting. How did you uh, go about choosing that? Well, I applied to all my colleges that I applied to as a um, as an economics major because I knew I wanted to work somewhat in economics. Um, but as I came to college, I thought finance may be a better road for me, so I switched to that. Found out I hated finance. So then I switched back to economics, and I fell in love with accounting during a couple of prerequisite classes. Um, so I added that as a second major. Hmm. Do you feel ever, um, like, insecure at all about having to switch so many times, or do you feel like that's normal? I feel like I switched probably less than the average student. Yeah. How say. many times did you switch? I think two or three. Yeah, I've switched, like, four already. Yeah, I have switched once and then I switched back so I was biomed first and then I switched to biochemistry and then I ended up switching back because there were too many classes I hadn't taken so I kind of just said oh well and then I went back to biomedical science yeah I started in public health I think and then I realized that's not really what I needed to be doing for where I was what I was trying to do (laughs) do you think yeah and then I went up to I think biomed and then I switched to biochem then I switched to business and that was I didn't even take a business class because I was like that's not what I need to be doing and then now I'm back in biomed hmm. but I mean all of those switches like I had a reason for doing so it was just that at the time they were all like a little jaded I guess yeah and I had my eyes on a smaller goal rather than the bigger goal in life and I was almost trying to find an easier path to get it done. And it's just not really, like, a viable option. Like, you shouldn't take the easier path out. Mm-hmm. I also, um, I would like to say that I was very influenced on my major because the major that I chose specifically did not have a minor. And that was very appealing to me, yeah. personally. That's how, so are we in the same major then? You're in biomed, right? Yeah. So then, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, most, have a, well, I don't have a minor either. Most scientific ones don't, though. Do you a have minor. a minor, Beckham? My double major is the minor. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So what would you say, Beckham, were some of your driving factors to choosing to be a double major? Well, um, I plan on going to law school, and a big thing that law schools look for in applicants is a tough course load and being able to work with having a lot on your plate and double majoring shows them that you're capable of doing that um, and on top of that it gave me the economics background which is really good for taking the LSAT and also it gave me an accounting degree which for some reason let's say I didn't go to law school I could still um, get my CPA, CMA, anything like that and right. be an accountant. So just to clarify the LSAT is the law school prereq exam? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um is it the bar exam that they always refer to? 
the bar exam comes after law school. And oh. that's to get certified, correct? Yeah. So, like, once you pass law, mm-hmm. once you get out of law school, you're still not a lawyer until you pass the bar exam in whatever state that proves that you know the laws. Oh, okay. Yeah. In that state? Mm-hmm. So, wait, if you were a lawyer and you moved to another state, you'd have to take the bar exam again? Yeah. You'd oh, have wow. to get completely recertified. Yeah. Is there a not time limit? It. How long is your bar certification good for? I think... I'm not sure, but I think it's pretty indefinite. I think you might have to go to some trainings every now and then to get caught up in the recent law, but I'm pretty sure it's indefinite. Well, I know that for in a medical field, you take the MCAT and go through medical school and then you're done. But then after you work for a little while, you can take what's called your boards and then that just like is another step and it's not required. But you can do it just to, you just know. extra qualification. Yeah. Basically. It looks it looks better for you as a person to be board certified. Yeah. So you want to go to law school, any kind of law in particular? Uh, tax law is what I'm aiming at right now. Okay. What about you, Joe? What do you want to, what's your goal? Um, so I sw- when I tried to switch to biochemistry, mm-hmm. I switched because I decided I didn't want to be like a vet or anything like that. Um, Because that's what I wanted to do at first. And then I decided to move over to pharmacy. And so I tried to switch, and it didn't work out so well. (laughs) But I I feel like you can still pursue a pharmacy degree with biomedical science. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they're hand-in-hand, so I'm not really worried about it. But Pharmacy school has a lot of prereqs that you have to get done. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, But as far as... The prereqs go. There's a lot of internship hours that yeah. are required, too. There's a lot of internship hours in most medical fields yeah. to get into the school. But that's what I want to be. I'm, I'm choosing that to become a pharmacist. Do you want to go to pharmacy school and get your doctorate in pharmacy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'll probably... My fallback is to just work as a pharmacist in a pharmacy. But I think I want to go into some sort of research... Or um, work in some sort of facility that works on new drugs and stuff like that. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you develop a new drug, you're set for life. Yeah. That is like Or you could safe win a Mega Millions. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that too. But, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's an aspiration. I mean, it's called an aspiration for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if you don't try, you'll never know. True. What is, is there shadowing requirement to get into law school law school is very very open and easy it's not easy to get into yeah um but there's not really any requirements you don't have to have a certain major you could people get accepted to law school all the time with music majors you don't have to take any prerequisites you don't have to intern a certain number of hours as long as you have a bachelor's degree and you have an LSAT score you can apply to law school that's interesting because for medical school, at least, I know that you don't have to have a certain degree in anything. You just have to take the prereqs. And as long as you score well in those pre-reqs, prereqs, then you're fine. Like, you yeah. can apply, and if you have a good MCAT score. But you can major in whatever you want to, as long as those prereqs are done. Hmm. So, we have our aspirations now. But as far as, like... When you were a kid, is there anything that happened significantly that made you want to do what you wanted to do? Not necessarily. Um, Growing up, 
I smell, I, for a long time, I wanted to be a politician. Um, a good number of people in my family are politicians um, here and around where we live. So I sort of grew up in that culture, and that's what I thought I should be going into. But as time went on and on, I started to realize what the situation and what local politics is really like. Um, and I did not want to go down that road. Um, but as I was starting to think about being a politician, I was planning on going to law school just to know the laws, and um, that whole pathway had grown really interesting to me, just the ability to you know, be an expert in the law and just to be able to practice in court and stuff like that just seemed really interesting. Hmm. What about you, Joe? Did you have anything in your life that happened that made you want to be a vet or a pharmacist? I don't know. I wouldn't say that there's anything in particular like a deciding moment in my childhood that made me interested in that scientific field. But I have always been interested in science. I've always loved science and nature and the way things work. So maybe that's just the way I'm built. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I feel like I feel like a lot of people are built that way though. Like yeah. They just they take a certain liking to a specific field when they're born and I I feel I want to say that that you know is determined by their childhood and their environment but at the same time I don't know what that is <laughs> yeah that makes sense so, um that's hard maybe someone should do a study on that or a podcast or a podcast <laughs> yeah go ahead and start your own podcast uh I know for me um I wanted to be something that helped somebody when I was younger. I always wanted to do something that could impact somebody's life that, you know, bettered them or gave them a better chance at, you know, being around family longer. And then in 2012, I think, I think it was 2012, my dad had a really, really bad motorcycle wreck, and the only people that, like, kept him alive and got him to where he is now was you know doctors medical professionals lots of therapists and so I saw that and I took that as something that like like as a goal is like I want to be somebody that can help somebody's parent or loved one be better for like their family yeah so I've always known that I wanted to help somebody but I didn't know how I thought a lot about you know, going into, like, a religious thing. I thought about being a um, occupational therapist, physical therapist. I've always had, like, a lot of options that I wanted to explore. But then after my dad's wreck, I really kind of, you know, honed it in on, okay, I want to be in the medical field, and I think I want to be a surgeon. But then here recently, I've kind of just, you know, really thought about that. And I'm like, I don't know if helping people's parents is what I really want to do. I want to be around, like, kids and make impact in the kid's life to, like, mm-hmm. you know, set up, like, a longevity thing. Improve of, their life. Yeah, or, like, show them that, you know, whatever you want to do is possible. Yeah. You know, you can always have a good outlook on things. And so I've kind of switched to dentistry, and, you know, we've talked about this already, but I think pediatric dentistry or orthodontics would be <laughs> something that is – it's it's caught my eye. I'm very interested in that field. And I think that that would be really, really fun. Because I know for me, at least, I hated going to the dentist when I was younger. Yeah. And I think that's a... I still don't like going to the dentist. 
But, I mean, it's so boring. It's like you mm-hmm. walk in, everything's like a neutral color, and oh, it yeah. smells awful. No life. It's not a fun environment. Yeah. So maybe I could, you know, be a dentist and make it a fun environment. Hey. Never know. You know, it's always up to the dentist. Yeah. Not the patient. You actually bringing up the topic of helping people and, like, longevity and stuff like that triggered a memory in my brain. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a, well, I guess it's funny now, but it was not funny then. <laughs> I was very, very little, mm-hmm. and this I want to say that this inspired me to um, help other people medically speaking, um, just looking back on it afterwards, knowing what the doctors did for me, but basically it started when I was little, and my mom was cleaning the bathroom, <laughs> and I was basically a toddler at this point. I was like, I don't even know, two or three. Are you the oldest four, child? Yeah. So this was her first experience with something bad? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, it was probably one of the worst, too. <laughs> um, she was, so she was cleaning the bathroom, and she had left this spray bottle of bleach on the oh, sink. Oh, no. And I grabbed it, and I looked dead into the nozzle. I remember this, too. <laughs> I looked dead into the nozzle, sprayed it, straight into my eyes. Oh, no. Bleach, straight into a toddler's eyes. Oh, no. They rushed me to the hospital. And my dad said that he was he thought I was going to be blind. Yeah, I can see mm-hmm. why. Yeah, and I, he was thought I was going to be blind for the rest of my life. I don't know how I'm not. I can see just fine. I don't even wear glasses or contacts. And what they had to do was flush out my eyes with tubes, like just right <laughs> up on there and just... Do you remember if that I'm was screaming. like a painful experience? No, but... No, you don't remember? Or no, I, d- I don't remember. Um, I imagine so because yeah. there's bleach in my eyes. <laughs> but um, do you know what like went through your brain? Like you just looked in the nozzle and squirted it in your eyeballs. That's or? the last thing I remember. <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember being in the hospital. But um, oh my gosh! Just yeah. So I just uncovered a very suppressed memory for you. Oh wow. Well, no, I've I've known about <laughs> it. I remembered it. I've. It's a, been a memory for me. I just didn't really think about how that affected my outlook on what you how important it is to help people medically because you know yeah. if there weren't people like that you that had the wouldn't. knowledge of that kind of incident yeah, then I would have be been blind. blind for the rest of my life yeah so i just feel like that's a really good example yeah but uh yeah. any uncovered memories for you beckham uh not at the moment no <laughs> um i know maybe like 10 years ago or so my brother <clears throat> I'm not sure what he drank, but he got under our kitchen sink and got some, like, bottle of it. may have been, like, drain cleaner. Oh, my gosh. Some Some Drano. Some Drano. (laughs) Drano. I feel like it may have been, like, something to clean the sink with. Um, And he drank a little bit of it. Um, Thankfully, we rushed to the hospital. Everything turned out all right. Um, But what they gave us after they came home from the hospital, they gave us these little magnets for the fridge for poison control center they had like the number on it and when to call and we put them on the magnet now every time i walk past that one fridge we have i get reminded of that time it's still there it's still there to this oh day gosh. 10 years later and that didn't inspire you to go in the medical field not at all so no. you don't love your brother <laughs> no i love him just <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding don't answer that yeah. <laughs> wow. no Dang, so he just got in there and drank it yeah, pretty much. I don't think I ever did anything like you guys are saying. Maybe hey, it's a Georgetown thing. Curiosity or? killed the cat. <laughs> Something in the water. Yeah. I feel like the worst thing I did was 
my mom was like flat ironing her hair, and I like reached up and grabbed the flat iron oh, and like burned my hand. Now, one but thing I never that, drank any bleach, so well, I didn't drink bleach. <laughs> you just ran in your eyeballs. That's yeah, so much better. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I have twenty twenty vision. Okay. So if you're listening to this, Sprite, no, I'm kidding. No, no. <clears throat> okay, so let me ask you this, Becky. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Becky is uh, Beckham's That's nickname. That's our nickname yeah, for, for, Beckham. for listeners. Yeah. Um, what is your opinion on people who don't yet know their major and are in college or... About to go in. About to go in. And well, they just don't, they have cold feet. They don't know what they're going for. The beauty of college, especially liberal arts colleges, is you have to take a lot of prereqs and that's not a fun thing to do um yeah no that's it's it's not fun knowing what you want to do and having to waste your time in classes that are not in that field like for example i want to go into tax law i have no use to take a chemistry class Mm -hmm. yet i'm probably going to have to at some point you will which i find weird i find that kind of there might be a reason for it and they might do it for kids that don't know i don't want to say kids because they're adults but i don't know (laughs) If they do it for people that don't know what they want to do, but I feel like if you know what you want to study, you shouldn't have to take those extra Historically, classes. it's so that you create well-rounded students, students that graduate with the ability to not only perform well in their field, but can also have a wide range of knowledge about a number of other fields. Interesting. But um, back to what I was saying, the beauty of it is that a lot of those kids that don't know what they want to do they start their first semester second semester taking all of their courses with these prereqs in a number of fields you're taking a chemistry an english a math a history foreign, um, foreign language foreign language maybe a philosophy <clears throat> you're taking so many different classes that um at the time don't feel very useful yeah but you're going to find something hopefully at least yeah that you're gravitated towards and that you enjoy and you can pursue that field so you're saying it's okay if yeah. you have cold feet? Yeah, you're saying it's normal. And you I would say I feel like that's a good agree. outlook. You have you have time as well. It's yeah. not. Yeah. There's definitely plenty of time to figure four, out what you want to do. Four years is a long. Now, time. if you're halfway through your junior year, no idea what you want to major, and now we've got a problem. <laughs> but yeah. if you're especially a high schooler, you no reason to be worried. Or even I would say at our at our level of education that we're at. I mean, it's yeah. second semester. I mean, undergraduate even. Well, I mean, it gets a little tough because, you know, how how many hours is a major? Something like 60, 65? Between 36 and 60. So, I mean, you got to think, like, you a full-time student is 12 to 18 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got to get that done if you're, like, a second semester junior. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be tough, not impossible. Well, I feel like another smart thing to do is to... Figure out a broad category of something that you would like to do for money. Um, Because, well, first of all, if you don't enjoy... If you enjoy work, it's not work. Right. I just want to put that out there. But I feel like it's smart to decide a broad category of something that you like to do. And then if you want to, you can switch, like, what kind of job you want to have that's in that, you know, category. Because, like, for me, for example... Biomedical science could be many different things. Yeah, it could be a veterinarian. I mean, we have the same. Major. It could be yeah. It could be a pharmacist. It could be, you know, a physician. Yeah, it could be really anything. I mean, and you touched on money, and I. Money is a. 
not sore subject, but a tricky one because obviously money is important to not necessarily have happiness, but freedom. I would say freedom's the word. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to be in a situation where you're working every day and don't make any money. Well, don't make enough money to be financially free. Because you shouldn't pursue a job just because of the money. I agree, but at the same time, it is important to understand yeah. that money is a part of everyday life. And mm-hmm. if you, even if you love your job, but you don't make very much money, I feel like you're still going to have a hard time in life. And that's just a personal standpoint. You need a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's not, it's like you said, if you find a broad scale of something you want to do, like there is enough jobs that like money should not be an issue. Yeah. So find something you love and then kind of narrow it down. I would say for me, the best thing that I've done is shadow opportunities, like Mm. going into the field and seeing what it's really like every day has been the best thing that I've done. Oh, it did for me. Because, well, I'm I'm thinking, like, you want to go into a job, and then you shadow, you see how horrible it is, yeah. and you switch your major. Like, I would not want to be a pediatric physician, because it's just a bunch of, like, snotty, oh like, gosh. kids with problems that aren't really problems, and their parents freak out, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I would not want to deal with that every day. Whereas, like, when I went into pediatric dentistry to watch, it... It was almost like the kids were sad to be there because everybody hits the dentist. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't a thing of like, my kid's dying because he has a cold. It was like, okay, you just need to clean your teeth. And then it's in and out and you're done. Yeah. So, but in a sense of like, if I do go to med school. There's a lot of money in dentistry. Too. Yeah. Well, if I were to go to med school, I know that I don't want to do like OBGYN. I don't want to do like... Yeah. Anything like that. <laughs> I know that, like, orthopedics or vascular surgery is, like, where I would want to go. But that's only because I got to go sit in and watch. Because I didn't even know what vascular surgery was until what is my that? internship. I mean, I, I have a general idea, but what are the specifics? So, they do a lot of work with, like, veins and arteries. Not necessarily around the heart, because that's, you know, that's when you get in cardiovascular. But, like, they do a lot of stuff with, like varicose veins which are in your leg and then when they stop working then you got to get them taken out and that they could stop working for a number of reasons and they do a lot of that they do a lot of like for i know for like uh dialysis there's Mm -hmm. a vein that leads into an artery in your arm and they have to like reroute it to help with your dialysis um they do a lot of different things sets up work for other people if that makes sense hmm that's interesting. Do you think that um, your heart condition would have some sort of like effect on your aspiration to pursue that? No, not really. Which actually uh, is resolved. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's so good. So I take what's called a beta blocker, and it helps to like slow down your heart rate and you know not make it. There's a lot of like science stuff that goes into it. What was, so what was can we get a rundown of what was wrong with it? Yes, if so, you don't mind me asking. No, I don't care. So basically, I had what were called preventricular contractions, and your ventricles are the lower two chambers of your heart. And there's an electrical pulse that comes from your brain down into your heart and tells it when to beat, basically. And there's a gate that opens with the electrical pulse, 
and that gate wasn't working correctly. And so with the beta blocker, it's helped to like regulate that. And so what was happening was my ventricles would contract before um, they were ready to. So they would contract sometimes with like no blood in them or, you know, they would contract like halfway filled. Like it wasn't a big deal right now, but it could have turned into one. And it was just a thing that it caused a lot of like uncomfort, if Mm -hmm. that's the right word. Discomfort. Discomfort, yeah. And it it was just something that, you know, had to be fixed. Like, most people have a PVC rate of, like, less than 1%, and mine was at, like, 17. Oh, my gosh. So it was happening a lot. But with this medicine, and I wore all those heart monitors, you know, it's gotten a lot better. Like, my PVC rate is back down to, like, less than 1%. So I'm it, my heart is functioning normally now. But as far as affecting what I want to do in life, I would say no, not really. Okay, so I was reading a article before we started and it it was on uh, bestcolleges.com and it said that most students are satisfied with their choice to pursue their current field and it even said that 85 percent were satisfied and only 10 percent were not satisfied so becky with that information what would you say would you say your satisfaction has gone up down stayed the same just like going through classes and getting farther into it i'd say it went up just because i was able I've been able progressively throughout college to take more classes in my field, and I've gotten more and more sure that my field is where I want to stay. Um, It's given me the opportunity to explore this field, um, learn more things, and just sort of devote myself to the craft, so to speak. Um, And I've enjoyed being able to sort of distance myself from all those core classes and just being able to do what I want. Hmm. I feel like that's a pretty good mindset to have. I would say that for me, at least, even though I have changed my major a couple times, it was easy, like whenever I was in business. I know I didn't take any business classes, but I did a lot of research to figure out if that's what was going to be right for me. And it was pretty easy to determine that that was not what was going to be right. And so I would say that, you know, in changing my major, it was pretty easy to see if I wasn't going to be satisfied and I could get into something to where, you know, I could be part of that large percent that was satisfied with what they were doing. Like I would say right now, I'm satisfied with the classes that I'm taking. It's interesting for me to learn. And like I, it's easy for me to get up and go to class. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if it's, if you don't want to go to class because it's so boring, then it's probably not something <laughs> you should want to do. Yeah, I would have to agree. I would really, um, I would really say that, basically, just what you were saying. If you don't enjoy like the content that you are learning in class, and if you don't find it interesting, if you're not curious about it or want to learn more, then you should probably choose something else, which is normal. It's perfectly normal to change your major. I would say, I, when I go to class, I'm pretty, I'm pretty engaged. And I am pretty interested in what the professors have to say about the certain topic that we're discussing. Uh, and I think it should be normalized to change your major, which I feel like it is mostly at this point. I feel like when I changed my major, I had the support of, you know, friends, family, yeah. and advisors, which I was kind of surprised about. Yeah, a lot of advisors find it very normal that people will change their majors, even more than once. Now, they give you... 
you know, they give you their input, and sometimes you may not like it. Yeah. But I feel like my advisor, everything that, well, I've had two, so everything that they've done has been in my best interest, and I really feel like when I leave my advisor meetings that I'm leaving more educated. So, speaking of which, I was reading an article that actually had to do with this from the University of Tulsa, and they said that about 80% of students change their major at least once, which that's a lot for even you know mm-hmm. one change. Well, think about... Let alone two, three, so... Think you know, about if, how many students Tulsa has. Yeah, that's a ton. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna look that up. Students. While you're looking that up, I would just like to say that it is completely normal. You should not feel bad about changing your major, even... You know, more than once. Um, yeah, it's a normal part of college. Um, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. And once you get in, you have the ability to sort of learn and determine, you know, um, what you like. And you might not like what you thought you would. You might go into college thinking you're going to be a doctor, but then you take OCHEM and you hate it and you want to drop out. Um and in that case, you're going to have to adapt and find something new that you're interested in. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree. So, it's, University of Tulsa has 3,705 students. Wow. Yeah. So, not as many as I thought, but that's still a lot. And for 80% of them to be happy with what they're doing. Well, no, that was how many of them changed their major. Oh, okay. So for 80% of them to change their major, like, that's just, that should show that, you know, it's fine if that's what you need to do. Yeah. It's it's really not. It's normal. Yeah. It's not very deep. And if you feel like you're not doing something you're going to be happy in for the rest of your life, just get out of it. It's okay. So, Becky, let me ask you this. What is your advice for people that want to pursue some sort of uh, profession or job that doesn't necessarily have a lot of money involved with it. I think you really just need to look at the job market in comparison of what you're interested in. So, for example, a lot of majors like sociology, history, philosophy, um, there's a lot of resources in college if you want to major in them, and a lot of students do choose to major in them. Um, But when you leave college, there's not many opportunities in that field outside of being a professor um, or maybe being a high school teacher. so with that said, you're going to have to adapt somewhat. And you might want us to look at the market um, of jobs that are available and see what's sort of adjacent to your field that you feel like you could do. Like, for example, let's say you graduated college with a sociology degree. Um, you might be able to find an opportunity as a worker in HR. Um, you could use that to sort of help people every day. Um, but yet it's still different from sociology. You'd use your sociology background to some degree, but it's still a different field that there's always going to be openings for. Um, And there's opportunities like that for pretty much any major um, out there. Mm -hmm. I would say that I've taken a sociology class, um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, you know, trying to pick out and understand the way that certain like classifications of people felt just throughout the history of, you know, America. And I could I could definitely see how, you know, after learning that, like how having that as a whole major, not even just one class, would help you in HR 
because you'd be better geared to, well, better educated to deal with all kinds of people, whether they feel, you know, that they've been cheated on something, they feel they're not being treated fairly or properly. You know, I could see how that would, I could see how that, like, scope would help in HR, and I'm sure that it would help in so much other stuff, and not even just for sociology with any major. Now, Becky, you mentioned the job market. Do you know, or Maddie, I guess you might know as well, uh, is there a way that you can look? So, like, say you graduated in 2025 from your undergrad school, and is there, like, some sort of website or something where you can look to see what job, like, salary is going to go up and what's going to go down to help you decide... Yeah, I would say that specifically for me, like when I was still in high school, I was very worried because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I looked into a lot of things, um, and I found that, you know, it's pretty easy to figure out, well, not to figure out, it's pretty easy to find, you know, job opportunity and whether that's going to go into progression you know, what that's going to look like whenever you graduate. So I looked at 2025 and got numbers that were generated probably from a computer and said, you know, what's the outlook going to be? What's the pay going to be? But, you know, you can't use that as a definitive. Like, that's just a number crunch. You can't be sure that that's what's actually going to happen. Because, like, you know, it's probably, when I looked it up, COVID was around, But then if I looked it up before COVID, I'm sure that, you know, like a pathologist probably didn't have as much of a, you know, job outlook as it does now with COVID being around. Yeah. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say as a surefire way to figure it out is just think about, you know, a problem and think about an occupation that solves the problem. So, like, there's always going to be sick people. So there's always going to be a need for doctors. There's always going to be people that get hurt. There's always going to be a need for physical therapists. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even have to be in a health thing. Like like for Beckham, there's always going to be people that need legal advice or assistance. So a lawyer is something that's always going to be needed. You, you know, could also look at like thing like jobs that are in high demand and low supply. Yeah. Just like the ones that fluctuate, like well, you know, plumbers. It's, that's or, actually interesting because you said you wanted to be a pharmacist. My mom's a pharmacist, and when she went into pharmacy, there was such a need for pharmacists that um, it was, I don't think it was an expedited program, but, like, she got a job opportunity, like, in her senior year of pharmacy school, her last year. Wow. Yeah. And so, and now she's worked her way up. She's um, the manager of a pharmacy Mm -hmm. at Baptist Health, which is a pretty big hospital. And so, you know, she expedited all of it she doesn't have a bachelor's degree she did all of her associates and she did the prereqs for uh, pharmacy school so she has an associates and then she went pharmacy school and got her doctorate so i would say definitely definitely figure out what's in what's in low low supply yeah and what is needed and that would be a great way for you to kind of pick through what you want to do and have job security i would say those are the ones that you know if it were me looking those are the ones i would target or at least look at first yeah the ones that are that are in a need. And honestly, research is going to be your best friend. Like, there's so many jobs that I didn't even know were a thing. And we've touched on this oh, before. Yeah. You talked about you had seen things that you were like, people get paid for this, and you were like, you yeah. couldn't believe it. And I would say that that is... I just recently discovered, like, 
four or five weeks ago that data, like what data entry was. Yeah. Like people just sit in front of a computer and enter data for a company and get paid for it. It's kind of crazy. Like yeah. that's I feel nuts. like I would get so bored. Well, I mean, people are doing it remotely, like at their house mm. and stuff. So See, that adds interest. Yeah. Well, I know that right now in the medical field, there's a need for radiologists. Oh, wow. So like, and it's, they're giving like work from home options. How do you um, work from home as a radiologist? Uh, the images get uploaded through a system, and then you look at them on your computer and you read them. Oh, so you so like analyze them. You just like look at x-rays and sort of... Radiologists would be... So you don't collect the stuff. You do not take them. That would be a radiology tech. A radiologist is the person that has gone to school to okay. s- like study images okay. and read them. I got you. And they would be above like radiologists. That actually makes sense. Yeah. 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 Radiologist techs are the ones that like take the pictures. And stuff. Interesting. Okay. Which some radiologists um, will do procedures, like little procedures, mm. not like big things. But like I've seen when I did my shadowing this past summer, I saw a radiologist. Um, do a couple procedures and it was like really little like not big deals they have like a general surgery background oh okay do you think your internship where you sort of got to see different sides of the medical field um was able to more give you a better idea on how to hone yourself in yeah a hundred percent i don't know have we discussed the internship that i had Uh oh so basically what i did was i was a paid intern at uh, Baptist Health, and I got to um, basically just shadow all kinds of different people in um, in the medical field. I got to shadow PAs, physicians, pharmacists, all kinds of stuff, and I got to really look at, you know, for six to eight hours a day what they did in the day, and it helped me decide, you know, what I think would be best for me. Like, I would not like radiology because you sit in a dark room and look at images all day and don't talk to anybody. And I'm a very social person, so I would not like that. Um, I found vascular surgery very, very interesting to me because of the preciseness and almost perfectness that you have to have when you do it. And I really like that. You admire that? Yeah, I like that you have to be perfect every time to get it done. But But in a sense of, you know, I looked at what I wanted to do in the medical field and I was very sure that I didn't want to be doing something like in brain surgery, you know, every time you operate, there's a chance that you're going to kill them. And I understand that like, okay, not kill them. That sounds very, very bad. (laughs) Morbid. (laughs) There is, there is a chance that they will die on your table. And I understand that that's a chance with anything, but I didn't want it to be as something as like, if I mess up, they're going to die instantly. Yeah. Whereas like with orthopedics, it's very rough and like very, you know, strength based and if you mess up it's they're not gonna die because of that whereas like with brain surgery if you make there's more wrong risk. cut yeah there's more they risk, are yeah. going to die and so i it was helpful to me to see that like you know not every kind of surgeon deals with that and so that was something for me that i it, it yes becky in short it very much helped me so internships definitely help to say you get no to way the curtain, yeah no way i do on. not want to do this or Yes, I would love this. So, yeah. Have you done any internships for law or anything? Not yet. No, I'm planning on... Any mock trials? Um, In high school, I did teen court system. Um, So the way that that works effectively is they take real juveniles from the community that have committed some, like, minor offense, something stupid like... (laughs) Oh, wow. Vandalism or something? Vandalism, fourth-degree assault, um, 
What what would what class five fourth, fourth degree? degree yeah. Fourth degree assault. I forgot the precise statute. Let me let me look it up real quick. It's a very very uh, inconsequential yeah. um, little crime. Mm-hmm. Stuff like um, disrespecting, like punching a police officer. That's one. only fourth degree assault. No, like that, that was a big no, that was that was a different charge. Um, <laughs> uh, Dang! But it's we take those little crimes that they've done. They've already pled guilty, mm-hmm. um, but they haven't been sentenced. Oh, it's okay. So fourth degree, they intentionally or wantonly causes physical injury to another person, or with recklessness he causes physical injury to another person by means of a deadly weapon or dangerous instrument. So with like getting in a fight, like if me and Joe started fighting right now. Yeah. It'd be fourth degree assault. That would be correct, yes. Then what is like third and second degree? And stuff when like you that? start using more dangerous weapons, when so, you change your, your mens rea effectively is your mental state and why you did the crime. So if you change, like if you did it to kill you, if he did the same <laughs> thing trying to fight you, but instead of just being reckless. Like he came with me at a knife. Or he came, came at, at you, me with a knife. He came at you with a knife. Or like I beat him within an inch of his life or something. Trying to kill you. Yeah. That would then go to attempted murder, first degree assault. Okay. That makes sense. Wow. Yeah. So it's all about the motive. Yeah. Hmm. But anyways. I knew that's how like it was turning murder, into, but. I feel like we're turning to true crime over here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We've got a lawyer on our side. Okay, so anyways, back to your mock You trial. basically get set into teams of three. There's a team for prosecution, a team for defense. Um... And you basically hold a trial on the sentencing. So one person on your team does an opening where you just basically, you know, um, give the story of the crime, try to open the case up. Another person gets to interview the witness in front of the judge and the jury. A real judge and jury. Real judge. and the, But the jury is all, like, all high school kids from okay. the same program. Okay. But it's a real judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your last person gets to give a closing remark, um, which is what I always did. Do you wait? So were these like were these kids like convicted of these? Do you decide their sentencing? You basically try to argue. The jury goes off, deliberates on a sentence, comes back. Um, Do they get that sentence? Mm-hmm. Really? Wait, wait. So, so <laughs> there, you're telling me there's high school students out there that are just sentencing juvenile kids? Yes. But well, but for petty crimes. Petty crimes, and there's only so many things that we can do. Like wow, the most that's crazy. Like, but the judge can obviously overturn. Yes, the judge obviously if. But if, the point is. I'm sorry I keep interrupting you. It's all right, but no. the point is for you to learn fair sentencing. Fair sentencing to give people experience in a real trial environment. Um, and also, it's the whole program is also so that the kids that did the petty crimes have an opportunity to be around good kids and to have Oh, oh okay. That, yeah. that makes sense. That. Like, what we would sentence them to is stupid things. Like, we'd give them 20 hours community service and have to write a five-page paper on what they did and why it was wrong. It's so stupid like stuff like So, like, what my that. mom would do for me if I did something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we can't send him to jail or anything. Your mom's okay. out here giving 20 hours of community <laughs> service. Hey. I mean, hey, they're out there, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. She'd let me know when I did something wrong. I'll say that for sure. Not in a bad way. Beckham, that's, uh, that's really interesting that you got to, like, do that. And you would say that that helped you... You know, decide you wanted to be a lawyer? Definitely, yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, I would like to encourage you guys to go hit up our email, imperfect.insight at gmail.com. Send us some topic ideas that you have or just pretty much anything that you want us to discuss. 
and hear our stand on. Or if you hate our podcast, let us know why. <laughs> yeah, uh, we love taking pointers. Um, any criticism is constructive criticism. And if you like it, read a, or leave a review. Um, write one if possible if your podcast listening software allows you to do that. Uh, and give us a five-star rating because you love us. Of course uh, you do. Uh, you know. We'll be back next Monday. Yep. And once again, we want to thank you for listening. Catch you next week.